Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I'm Alice Living, best-selling author, personal trainer, and host of Give Me Strength, where we discuss the positives of living a stronger life physically and mentally with the hope to inspire you to do the same. Welcome to Give Me Strength. My guest today is an old friend and ex-colleague of mine, Luke Worthington. He is one of the most sought after personal trainers in the world. He is a qualified sports scientist, a trainer, nutritionist, and strength and conditioning specialist with over 20 years of experience in the health and fitness industry. He currently works with some of the biggest A-list celebrities in the world, and I am so grateful to have him here today to share, hopefully, some of his secrets. He is such a fountain of knowledge. I have been on many of his courses, and I've learned a lot from him over the years. So I'm really grateful that he's given up an hour of his time to come and chat all things training and fitness. So we can just jump straight in. Luke, it's so good to have you with me. We were just discussing how I haven't seen you since pre-COVID and I know that you've been crazy busy. So it'd be great to hear how you're doing and what you've been up to recently. Uh, Well, thanks for having me on. And yeah, it has been a while. I guess I've really focused in on on the PT side of what I do is focused really quite heavily in on on the entertainment industry, which I know is something you wanted to to touch on today. Um, so I've kind of carved out a bit of a niche there in applying uh, like, I guess, sports type training. So like strength and conditioning principled training to the entertainment industry. That industry was quite typically served by more of a sort of body transformation type um, approach, which, you know, you, you and I have known each other long enough to know that, that neither of us necessarily subscribe to that as being yeah, being, sure. You know, some, something to aspire towards. But what I was quite interested in, in doing was say, well, actually, can you give people, you know, an aesthetic result? And there's nothing wrong with having an aesthetic goal, but yeah. also do it in in a way that is going to make them better at stuff. So, and that seemed to apply quite well to the entertainment sector because, yeah. you know, people were, were needing, they were needing to be able and wanting to be able to do stuff. You know, they're wanting, you know, if they're preparing for, a role on stage or a role on screen and they, they wanted to be able to run and jump or fight or or do something yeah. as well as look a certain way. Um so it just it just almost opened up in front of me really. And I thought, well no one else is doing that. Um I I know how to do that. 
Um, and it's, it really just snowballed really quite quickly. And that level of physical resilience is so essential to that industry and yet has been like massively underserved. As you said, there was a real gap in the market. Yeah, um, it was. And really the kind of the physical preparation, and I use that term quite loosely in that sector, was almost doing the opposite uh, because the focus was so much on the aesthetic. It was so much on the kind of the, the transformation type um, that actually performers and entertainers were preparing for a role but they were weaker and had less energy and were less resilient to injury, less resilient to illness, and and actually couldn't do the job as well. You know, you know, having spent time in that industry yourself, that it's tough. You know, it's physically tough. Um, yeah. And being fit and strong and healthy and is is actually really very important. Um, okay. So taking quite a different angle to what people were were used to. It just seems so obvious. It just seems well. Here's a. There's so much transition, isn't there, and and synergy between that and actually what the average person does. You know, when we look at the entertainment industry, sure, they're on a pedestal of being at the top of their game, being heavily in demand, likely stressed, busy. You know, all those things. But there's a lot of take homes that just the average person can also do with that. You know, if we think about the way that the fitness industry has transitioned slightly away from aesthetics, not entirely. We're still very much kind of locked into that as a goal. And like you said, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that. You know, we we are noticing that that purely chasing that goal doesn't necessarily have the best outcomes when it comes to resilience, physical resilience, uh, longevity, all these things. And it and it's really interesting, and it would be interesting. And we're going to go back a little bit before we go forwards, but to dig mm -hmm. into you know the things that you, me, anyone sitting at home listening to this can kind of take away from people that are at the top of their game. They're actually really relevant to actually everyone that's training. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, the, a, a body is a body. At the end of the day, we all have, we all have one. Um, and our physiologies are all, all work to the same principles. Um, just what, we, what we're using them for might be a little different, but nobody's goal is more or less valid than anyone else's. If your goal yeah. is to be able to get up and down the stairs without your back hurting, that's just as valid as, you know, I, I need to be able to do this for a Marvel movie or, I, or I'm doing a red carpet. That's just as valid. It means just as much to you as the next person, just one is much more visible than, than yeah. the other. Um, but yeah, the principles are the same. Um, and the principles of doing that in a health first way still very much apply. Um, and that was, that was how I wanted to do it. That's what I wanted to come to that sector with is saying actually, rather than you try and do your job feeling terrible and, and that you can, you can, you know, you can't, you don't have the energy to do anything. How about yeah. you feel at your very best when you do it. We're yeah. just going to have to do things a different way and it might take a little bit longer to get there um, and the road might look and feel a little different to the one, the way that you've done it before, but let's give it a shot and let's see how it is for you feeling great when you walk a red carpet rather than feeling like you can barely stand up. Um, and that was, you know, that's, that's my approach to it and that approach absolutely applies to everybody else. I think there's, the, the industry sort of had this big parting of ways a little a little while ago of, you know, there was like the aesthetics movement and then there was like the strength and conditioning movement. It's like, well, the two shall never meet and, you know, we can't we can't talk to them and they can't talk to us. We hate them. And actually that's all a little bit silly. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's nothing wrong with either goal. There's nothing wrong with taking up exercise to achieve an aesthetic goal at all. The same as there's nothing wrong with taking up exercise to get better at running or netball or, or anything else. Similarly, there's nothing wrong with taking up exercise just because you enjoy it or to feel good, to feel good emotionally. There's all of these goals are equally as, as valid. And I think if we 
completely shun a group of people and say, well, you're wrong because your goal is aesthetic driven. We're just shutting them out. We're just, we're just moving them away from useful information. And there's a lot of terrible information out there. Um, and if we as an industry, if the kind of the, the professionals with the experience and, and the know-how and the qualifications are refusing to engage with or making people feel not welcome because their goal isn't up to my standards. Well, if you're not a performance yeah. athlete, I'm not talking to you. If your goal is aesthetic or to lose weight or whatever it may be, then, then, then no, that's not, that's not legitimate enough for me. And uh, then yeah. all, what we're doing is we're just pushing those people somewhere else because they're going to be there. They're there. Um, and if we push them away from credible sources of information, we're pushing them towards less credible source of information, of which there is a lot um, yeah. Yeah. You know, on social media and that's not quality controlled. And, and there is a huge amount of information that is just waiting to, to kind of lap up people with these kind of goals and say, oh, well, come and buy my tea or whatever it may, <laughs> whatever it may be. <laughs> Yeah, um, always tea. We as an industry need to be a little bit less, I guess, snobby about that. And rather than say, well, mm. your goal's not valid because it's this and, and and this party, the kind of, you know, the aesthetics party say, well, we're not, you know, strength and conditioning nerds, we're not talking to you. And the strength and conditioning guys say, well, aesthetic, that's that's not valid. We're not talking to you. Well, actually, let's all talk to each other because my, my experience of this industry, of which I've been in a very long time now, is the the aesthetics goals are always going to be there. That will still and always be the number one reason why people take up exercise. I think in my experience is it's never the most common reason why people stay in it. Um, and I think that's where, that's the, that's the rub, that's the magic. And I think that's where we should be doing our job is welcome and accept these people who are, who are coming to us say, oh, I want to tone up. That's fine. Let's not say turning to our sec. It isn't. We know what they mean. If somebody, you know, the, somebody comes to us and says, oh, I want to tote, we can be a kind of an exercise science snob and say, that's not a thing. It's, we know what they mean. Yeah. It's just, so let's meet people where they're at. And so I understand what you mean by that. So here's what we're going to do. And, and, then, and then go about putting a program together that prioritizes health, that prioritizes strength, longevity, resilience to disease, yeah. but will also give them the output that they've come to you for and then what we find is that long-term, people then get excited about the fact that they can do their first pull-up or they can you know, run a 5K, they can do whatever it may be. That, and then that's what keeps people coming back is they start getting better at stuff and, they, and then their priorities shift a little bit. But if we just push people away and say, I'm not speaking to you because you want to tone up, we're just going to push them somewhere else, alienate them from credible training resources. So I think we need to kind of welcome everybody and understand that that's, that's the most common motivator to get people through the door and then start to show people something a little different as, mm. as, as they go. And then that's, start to say, well, actually, how does it feel now that you can do this that you couldn't do before? Or how does it feel now that your knees don't hurt anymore? Or that you can now yeah. do a pull-up or whatever it may be. And that you can probably relate to that with your own fitness journey in the for sure, um, in for your sure. Instagram, you're now knocking out your sets of pull-ups and saying <laughs> I can do these now and I, I can really uh, yeah and it's and it's a completely perfect answer and I do think it's very very relatable to the journey that most people go on those that are going to stick to exercise movement long term and if we look at longevity as being you know something that we all want 
I think right. you're right that, that it's often that shift. But I completely agree with you that, you know, for a long time, the industry has been in incredibly binary in its ter- in, in the sense that like you're either in, in one group or the other and it's quite cliquey and I completely <laughs> agree with you. And I think you've perfectly sort of summarized the journey that that one should really go on or, or, or could go on. And I think that's really interesting. But one thing I want to do is, I've known you a long time, long yes. time. Um, <laughs> and um, you are now obviously the go-to celebrity trainer in the UK and you've, you've worked incredibly hard to carve that path for yourself. And I think it's so interesting that I have to say from my perspective, it's amazing to see someone who I know is so grounded in quality, credibility, really leading that charge. Because I think it's, you know, it's, it's exactly the, what people need that are in that space. Um, but I want to know how you got to where you are now, because no. I know that there will be a lot of trainers that will listen to this that think, oh my God, I'd love to train a celebrity, but right. don't quite know the journey from, uh, you know, start to where you are now. And I know that it's been a long one for you and, and, and one that you've worked incredibly hard at. So Obviously, you and I met at Third Space, um, yes. an amazing, you know, place to to kind of really um, set yourself up at. Um, yep. But from professional rugby player to here, <laughs> tell me a little bit about how you got to where you are now. The career journey has almost gone full circle, really. So I started out in, well, actually, I started out in a leisure centre, very, very, very long time ago. <laughs> 1997 was my first Good place to start. Before. Yeah, I was setting up badminton courts, but then I I, I worked my first kind of proper fitness job was in commercial fitness, was in a, you know, a high street gym group in, in London, uh, which there were four branches and I was doing gym floor stuff. I was there for several years, um, before I actually met another former colleague of, of ours, <laughs> actually, who worked in the same place. Um, and I moved from there into, I even as a young person coming into the industry, I had a a similar dream to lots of young trainers and thought, well, professional athletes is where it's at. That's where that's, that's the cool stuff. That's what I want to be doing. Yeah. Um, so I left commercial fitness and went into essentially freelance strength and conditioning. So I had lots mm-hmm. of clients within football and rugby, um, to begin with, cause I just knew people in those sports from my own background. So it was an easy start. There were people who I could reach out to and say, let, let me help you. Um, and I did that for several years. Um, and, that was in the pre, you know, it wasn't pre-internet, not that old, but it was pre-social media, pre-social media in its in its current form, certainly. Um, so that was a tough space to operate in. Um, it was very much all very specific recommendation. Um, and you had to, I was doing what I'd wanted to do, but I was spending most of my time and money on public transport going from one side of London to another. Um, and I wasn't particularly enjoying it very much. Um, even, even though that's what I thought I wanted to do when I actually started to do it, this is actually, I'm exhausted. Um, I'm not really earning much money, Um, but I wasn't, I'm learning a lot. I'm learning how to get people quicker and stronger and more resilient to injury and, and start to recover from injury. Um, and during that time I started to, um, started to work with another former colleague of, of, yours and mine, um, the physiotherapist who was based at Third Space. Um, and we were we had a lot of shared clients. And we then discussed lots of things in life, one of them being, you know, where do you, where do you want to go? Um, and it was suggested that I just buddy up with him and, and come in at Third Space. So I, so I did. So I, I went there initially to start to work with um, somebody who was the former head physio there. 
um, yeah. out, wants to do something else. Yeah. Um, and that's that worked very nicely for, for a little bit. Um, Third Space in those days was one location. Um, and it um, then changed hands and, and grew to, I think there were eight or something now, I, I believe. Oh, it's like growing uh, at a crazy yeah, rate. But, but as, yeah. part of, as part of that process, <laughs> yeah. um, as part of that rollout process, the, it, there was an opportunity created or a space created to to do an education-based role because yeah. obviously when you go from one gym to several gyms, quality control becomes a thing, becomes a consideration. Um, and therefore there became a need for somebody with technical skills to, to start to put some processes in place and start to think, well, and, and start to apply, um, you know, a common assessment protocol and, and program design templates, this kind of stuff. The sort of the, the, when you have lots and lots of freelance trainers, you're going to have, you know, 57 varieties of, of doing things. And as a, as a corporate group, you want really one way of doing things. Um, so that created an opportunity for me to step from doing solely personal training and, yeah. and grow into to doing a kind of an educational technical consulting type role, um, yeah. which is one about the time when you and I met, yeah. um, which was great. That enabled me to grow. It enabled me to, to start to practice teaching as well as just doing, um, which has enabled me to have a kind of side hustle, which I still have now of yeah, an education yeah. business. And that was that served me very well for for several years um, as as the business grew. So my role grew, but around about the same sort of time, I, I was getting quite excited about trying to apply what I'd learned in this professional sports world in a slightly different world, which was the entertainment industry, and that was yeah. just kind of starting to open up to me at the same time. And that just that just took off really, and really because no one else was doing it. Um, that industry was very much served by the kind of Hollywood trainer transformation type. Yeah. Um, and he, I was offering something a little different. Um, I was working with these same similar people, but saying, well, actually, let's look at everything that you're doing. Let's look at it holistically. Let's look at your strength. Let's look at your output. Let's look at how you're sleeping. Let's look at your recovery as well as how you look. Let's not shun that. Let's look at all of it. Um, and that was just a little different to everything else. So I guess in terms of how did I cultivate that niche, it was by doing something and offering something that at that time, no one else was. Yeah. You know, that, that population was being served, but it was being served in a very different way. Um, so I was able to, to treat people who were performing initially on stage, actually, and in, in initially West End performers. Yeah, like you um, work with Aisha me. and all yeah, sorts of people. Yeah. Like, oh, yes, of course you know Aisha. Real heroes of mine. <laughs> um, and Kiala as well. Oh, yeah, Kiala, of course, yeah. yeah. Um, so there was a very, and there was a natural progression from working with performers on stage to performers on film because it's the yeah. same yeah. circle of people. And that's word of mouth and word of mouth travels very fast, especially when you're offering something that's a little different. So actually you don't need to feel exhausted and beaten up and broken. You can feel good and healthy and strong and happy. And also when you're doing something well, you know, you, you, like I think the two things that I look at you and really feel that you kind of nail is one, you have years of experience. And I don't mean to make you sound like you've been doing this forever, <laughs> but you have years and years of experience and and you're constantly in. And, you know, when I look to the education experiences that I've had with you, that's an ever evolving process for you. And, and actually, I want to touch on that, you know, in terms of 
how you're constantly progressing, learning, doing more, understanding more. And I think that's that's really crucial as a trainer. But but the other side is is that you, you know, as with any business, your results speak for, speak for themselves. Word of mouth, like you said, is important, but that's got to be good recommendations. They're coming yeah. out of their mouths and, yeah. and and you're clearly doing something that really resonates and and sits well with people. I think that's that's obviously the most important thing. Um I wonder if you would be able to give me, and I know that it's so difficult in terms of confidentiality, but yeah. are there any examples of clients that you've worked with that uh, might be household names that you could kind of talk about in terms of where they came to you at and what you what you felt was really something that you did differently for them in that moment that made the difference? Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, when being respectful of people's confidentiality, there. Are, I mean, there are there are there are many. Um, yeah. There's, you know, I can think of, I mean, there's a, a very high profile actress who um, I was working with on preparation for a specific movie role. Um, and there was a, it wouldn't be very hard to find out who it is because there's written me a testimonial in it. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're available. But her experience of preparing for roles was uh, effectively just, you know, you have to exercise really, really hard every day till you're exhausted and that's training so training equals you know more more is better that was the mentality and yeah. that was that was that was the approach that had been given was right well you've got you, you know there's the kind of the boot camp phase and it's just going to be tough and you've got to get through it and then you're going to hang on for dear life whilst you do the shoot and then afterwards then you can then think about recovery and and then do it all again for the next job and we just did things a different way um, and so, well, let's not do that. Let's look at everything. Let's look at the whole picture. And there was a bit of a, to be completely honest, there was a bit of a, a leap of faith taken on the client side of, well, this is not what I'm used to. Yeah. So how do I know it's going to work? Because this is my job. This is my career. So there, there's a bit of a kind of, there has to be a bit of trust there to start with. And that was, that's the hard part is if you're going to ask someone to do something different to what they, they're used to, there's a, a leap of faith taken on their side. Um, okay. fortunately we were able to navigate that. Yeah. She was then able to do the job whilst feeling at her best rather than feeling at her, at her worst. Okay. Um, and it happened to be someone who was very well connected in those circles who then spoke to all of her friends and, <laughs> yeah. and that was, that was great for me. And I, you know, we still talk about it now that I should have put you on commission <laughs> back, in, <laughs> back in those days. And that, that's also happened in the, in, in the fashion world as well. There were, there were a couple of very high profile people in the fashion world who are in front of the camera there on a regular basis and spent their whole yeah. lives being in front of the camera. And again, being able to say, well, we can look to, we're not going to create a look because really if you're, if you're in the fashion industry, you're kind of, you're born with that or you're not, that's not yeah. something. I think it's be very disingenuous for anyone in a health and fitness industry to say, well, I made that. You absolutely did not. They, yeah. they were like that anyway. You're just helping them. Yeah. Um, but so we can we can maintain that, but we can maintain that, and also look to try perhaps bring you out of pain as well. Yeah. And, and if you're going to have to spend a week walking up and down several hours a day every day, and then be standing yeah. still for five or six hours in horrendously uncomfortable outfits, <laughs> can we do that in such a way that your back and your hips and your knees don't hurt? Let's look at that, and let's you know we're we are also getting you fit quote unquote, but can we do it in such a way where you're going to feel better? And that's ultimately, that's worth a fortune to these people because yeah. I want to do my job better. 
Yeah. Uh, so now I can potentially work a little bit longer or yeah. I can enjoy my work a little bit more because things don't hurt. And yeah. the particularly the fashion industry had really become, it was just sort of accepted. And, and I think probably your former industry, you probably relate to this a little bit, where yeah, it's just sure. accepted that, well, it's stuff's going to hurt. It's hard. So yeah. suck it up. Yeah. And and that was the very much the mentality of yeah, yeah. Well, if your back hurts, deal with it. You need to hurt, deal with it. Yeah. Rather than, okay, can we do something about that? Is there something we could can we help in in some way? Yeah. Um, so when you're offering that, it's kind of easy. It's kind of easy to it, it's you, you know, you're not you you're not trying to sell something to somebody. You're yeah. offering a solution to a problem that exists. You're not kind of trying to create some phantom problem. You say, well, this is a this is a real this is a real issue. And yeah. There's a really simple solution to this. Like if we get you a, a bit stronger and a bit more resilient and give you a bit more awareness and control over your body, these things won't happen. And I think the real world take home from that is that that should be the principle for kind of everyone. Like we all want to feel better. Sure, we want to look better. But my kind of ethos with that is like if we put feeling better at the top as our number one, as our top of our pyramid, everything else kind of falls into place. If you prioritize feeling good, genuinely I truly believe that the rest will actually assimilate itself yeah. um, and I actually find that often and nine times out of ten those that prioritize a look which you and I have spoken about this already today you know it's fine to do that but if that's number one I often find that a lot of other stuff the feeling better the feeling energized the injury rate the you know yada 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 all of that actually isn't necessarily aligned and can actually get worse with that being the number one goal. And I think it's such an interesting, you know, mental switch. And it's and it's hard to have that buy-in because you and I both know that most people will come to us and say, so my goal is to fit into this dress or look this good, or I've got a picture of myself when I was 21 and I want to look that good again, you know? And yeah. so it's about having, having the uh, ability to take someone where they're at and say, I hear you, I see you, but also let's look at all these other things, which I know are going to get that, but in a way that focuses you way less on on just how you look. Yeah, absolutely. And and to be honest as well, I think that's the sort of the softer skill side of this job. Yeah. Uh, when you have to, to be good at this job, you have to know your functional anatomy. You have to know what does what. You have to know your program design, your assessment techniques, all of that stuff. But ultimately, you can be technically the best trainer in the world. But if people don't show up and do what you ask them to do, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, so getting people to buy into what you do, that's priority number one. So being able to get people to relate and show up, if they don't show up, doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> you have this yeah. fantastic program. If someone doesn't follow it, it's not worth anything. Completely. That first part of yeah. let's do it this way and actually allowing people to feel seen and heard, that's the important part. Yeah. Um, so having the technical skills and the technical experience and all this stuff, wonderful. But what I think the real knack there is being able to say to somebody, if their goal is, if they come to, to you and say, I want to fit in that dress, great, this is how we're going to do it. Yeah. And that's, that's the conversation. Yeah. And, and then we start. What I'm doing is I'm creating a way that they're going to do that whilst doing all of these other things. Yeah. But what I'm not going to do is take their goal, invalidate it, and say, how about we teach you to do pull-ups? How's that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're not going to come back. That's not what they came yeah. to me for. They'll just yeah. keep searching the internet or Instagram and find somebody that will say, I can get you to fit into that dress. And that might be, who knows, mm. and what they're going to no, ask them to do. Completely. So, so really, I think what we, what, we, what we do is we say, 
sure, we can do that. Here's how. And and then in the background, I'm kind of plotting away thinking, we are going to do that, but we're going to, it's a, I sometimes describe, when I train trainers, I sometimes describe it as saying, it's like you're hiding the peas in the mashed potato. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's what, that's what you want. So that's fine. So we're going to do what you want, mm. but we're going to sneak in some stuff of what you need as well. Yeah. And we're going to hide it in there. And then before you know it, you're also, you, you know, you're also going to get good at deadlifts and you're also going to be able to do a pull up. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to Give Me Strength. One thing you mentioned training trainers, and I think that it's, you know, your education assets are are unbelievable. And I've, you know, I've attended one of your courses, many, you know, a couple of your courses, and I think, you know, learned so much from you. But one of the things that I always find really interesting is that obviously the fitness landscape and, and how we approach training has changed so much over the last however many years. And I'd really love to know what you see. And I don't want to call them mistakes because obviously I hate that word. It's always a learning curve, right? But the things that you've done that you look back and think, oh my God, I can't believe I ever did that. Like, were there ever anything, was there ever anything, sorry, in the fitness space that you really threw yourself at and then actually looked back and thought, oh my God, I can't believe I ever did that? Um, I, yes. And I would say it's actually just very related to the point we we're just discussing. Um, and then my approach on that has changed a lot. And it's probably changed a lot through focusing almost exclusively now on the entertainment business. Yeah. Um, I very much used to try to reframe and rephrase uh, people's goals and and say, well, actually, let's let's do this, let's do this, and let's do this, when that's not why they were there. And so that's absolutely something that now I do in a very different way. Um, I, and I will pointedly not do that because I, I have come to understand that's not what people want to hear. Yeah. You know, when somebody comes saying, I would like to achieve this, what they want to hear is, great, I'm going to help you do that. That's the, that's what they want to hear. Yeah. Um, so I've, I see in, in terms of my evolution, it's more on that side. It's more on that kind of softer skill side yeah. of understanding that we've got to meet people where they're at with this stuff. Okay. Um, and let's, let's not kind of turn our noses up at why people come if somebody comes saying, "I, oh, you know, I'd like to turn my arms," cool. We're going to turn your arms, yeah. but, and then we're going to do it this way. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say anymore. Um, we shouldn't be so focused with turning your arms. We should be thinking about your overall health, and we should be thinking about your well-being, and we should be thinking, "Yeah, of course we should," but that's not why they're here. Yeah. Um, so I guess the evolution on my side has been on that has been on the the softer skill side. Yeah. And actually, such a crucial component of being a trainer, like you said earlier, yeah, that we often forget. But actually, going to the other side, um, you obviously you spoke a lot about sort of the education side of things. Um, I think one of the things that I really experience in the in the fitness industry from a bit of a distance is that you know a lot of people are like, "What course should I be doing? What should I be learning? Like, what education? What book do I need to be reading to make me a better coach?" And it'd be really interesting to to get your advice to trainers that are listening to this, people that are in the fitness industry. You know, we often want the one thing that we need to be doing or the one course that's the best yeah. one to do. How do you advise people approach their education journey 
And what are the things that you think are the fundamentals and what are the things that you think people should sort of kind of evolve with and see how they feel with? The answer is probably not the one people want to hear that there isn't one. <laughs> there isn't there isn't one course or one book or, or one seminar that you should attend. Although my seminar courses but <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not that's not the answer to all questions at all. That's here are my experiences of dealing with this. Yeah. Um, and then people can take from it what they what they will. Um and that's been my approach really. I spent many years um just doing pretty much every course that I could get my hands on. I sort of used to set myself a goal of doing one a month. So, excuse me, I would take a weekend course once a month in anything that interested me. And and I would think if I can take one thing from this, it's been money well spent. And generally that's what I tried to do is pick little bits. And there were some that I would take a lot more. And then there were some where I thought actually I didn't enjoy that and yeah. I didn't get anything from. But in general, that was a pretty good average. Um, and that was... I did that for years, really. And I would say that it worked, that worked for me. So therefore I would say that's a great thing to do because that's what I did. How, but I would caveat that and say that actually in the post COVID world, there are far fewer of those things happening. The, The industry, when you and I met, you could do that because weekend seminars were a thing pretty regularly. There were always something going on and expos going on and courses and talks and Lots of mutual friends of ours ran little workshops at summits. Yeah. Those things don't have not really existed in the post-COVID world. I wonder why that is. Well, they just they disappeared and went online for a period of time, and yeah. it, and then they just didn't really come back. And I think that's a shame because I think the landscape for young trainers now is a little different to how it was then because those things aren't available. Um, so I would say actually that the best thing for a young trainer to do would actually to be what to, to be to do what you've done um, and identify people and say I'd like to buddy up with this person I like what you do I'm going to come and like can I yeah watch you help can we bounce ideas off each other and do that and that's you know do exactly what you've done over however many years yeah, I've yeah. and you know yeah. where you've identified different people at different stages and say I kind of like what you do mm. can I can I watch that I think is a great thing to do. It's not formal training. You're not picking up certificates and CPD hours from that. No. But I would fairly confidently say you're going to learn a lot more from that than you mm. are from a book. I think that's a really good point. And I think that I I remember being that person that was like really hungry to learn. Like mm. you're at the start of your career, like I just need to know everything. And and you never feel like you know enough. And I think it's being comfortable with the fact that you're you're never going to know enough. There's always mm-hmm. more you can learn. But actually, the thing that I've really found is that when you spread the net so broadly and be like, I just want to learn everything, actually, that's really, really hard place to be because, and maybe, you know, like you said, in the first instance, it's fine to do that. But I think at every stage, sort of find that thing, find that net coming narrower and narrower so that you focus in on what really fulfills you and, and and if we look at your career you've sort of done that over you know however long you've been working in the fitness industry it's got narrower and narrower and narrower and narrower and now you're at the point where you're like i am really fulfilled and training people that i really want to train and i'm enjoying what i'm doing yeah. um and i think as much as it's hard to do that and it's a privileged thing to be able to you know just kind of pick and choose i, I understand that but i do think that a lot of people try and just learn everything and anything and then being able to apply that in real 
like life terms is actually quite challenging and you end up coming very confused. But I remember when I started trying to write programming and I'd done this course here and learned about this and I'd done this course here and learned about that. And then I was suddenly getting really confused with actually trying to make it applicable to the person in front of me. I was just like, it was just all too much. So I think I really found that at every stage sort of being like, oh, I found that bit interesting, but that bit interesting. And then trying to sort of like narrow it down and then really find now I could tell you exactly the person that I like to work with, mm-hmm. what I like to do with them, how I like to train them, the approach that I have. I've become really, really laser focused and clear on that. And I guess that is because you kind of you, yeah, you go through that process. Design. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for I, sure. And I think that's that's the that's the important part is it takes is to understand it takes time mm. um, and it is overwhelming just to start with, yeah. and that's and that's okay. Um, mm. And I and I think we. We, we just have to not be in such a rush. Um, you yeah. know, when you start out in this industry, there's a sort of, it's like an inverse bell curve. It's like, well, you get your certificate and you think, well, I know everything. And then you get out onto the gym floor and you start working with people and you go, I don't know anything. Yeah. And then, and then gradually it starts to go the other way. And then you start to, to try some stuff. Some stuff doesn't work. Some stuff does work. And then gradually you figure it out. But okay. it takes time. Uh-huh. Um, so the, that kind of first couple of years of being in the wilderness is tough and a lot of people don't survive it, but it's important. And I think that's, you just kind of have to get through that, um, because that's how you learn, you know, you have to, you have to try stuff and be willing to try it and, and do those difficult things that you just described where, yeah, yeah. you know, you, you do a course and then you do another course and you think that totally conflicts with that, but then you have to try it. Yeah. You know, who, who am I working with? I'm working with these guys in this gym, so I'm going to have a go. And then think, actually, that course was all about basketball players, and I've realized that doesn't really work with what I'm dealing with. And and then gradually yeah. start to understand, or oh, that one was super, super technical, and I've got 45 minutes with my clients, or I'm in a group setting, and I've got 20 people. And so I'm not going to – so that super technical course that I did that was on the intricacies of of, of biomechanics – I'm not going to apply it because I've got, uh, I don't have the, I don't, uh, that's not how I'm working. Uh, Take the course and then, then think, how do I, how do I use this on the day to day? And then maybe you realize that one was less useful. Definitely. Good to know, but less useful. And then you start to figure it out. Uh, I think we have to be willing to, to try and be willing to make mistakes sometimes. And, and I think, that might sound really awful to think there are going to be some clients that you make mistakes with. But I think if, if we're open and honest and transparent about that, that's also okay. Um, you know, when, when a, a person engages a trainer, they know they, well, they're going to take a fairly decent guess at how old somebody is. So they will take a fairly decent guess at how that long they might they have been doing their job and they'll know how much they're paying and there'll be this, They'll be doing the calculation themselves to think, well, I can pay this amount and I'm going to get someone who's been doing it 20 years, or I can pay this amount and so I'm going to get somebody who's been doing it for two. And and you would therefore expect that the product might be a little bit different. And that's uh, that's okay. And I think if you're if you're investing in the relationship with the client, you're able to say, look, I did this course at the weekend and I learned this. Would you be willing to try it? And then have the conversation with them in a couple of weeks and say, how was that for you? If it's actually, that was awful then be also willing and gracious enough to say, okay, we'll go back to what we did before. Yeah. And, and, and then 
that's how you start to piece it together and, and figure it out. Um, yeah. you, I don't think you ever get to be a good trainer by going on courses, um, which is probably, you know, doing myself enormous disservice as somebody who runs yeah. courses trainers, but <laughs> that's, you know, you don't, you don't go as you, as you know, as, as you know, having done lots of yeah. courses, you don't go and sit in a, sit in a classroom for a weekend, come away a different trainer. You come away um, with some ideas. And then what yeah. make what how you then get a better trainer is by trying to it, trying to integrate some of that stuff into your client's program. Yeah. And then and then having that conversation with them and say, how was that for you? Did you um, feel better when we did it that way? Yeah, great. Let's do it some more. Would you be willing to yeah. try this next week? Mm. And see yeah. how you how you apply it to your clients. That's the key, not how how you learnt it from a whiteboard or from a you know from a, a PowerPoint at the weekend because that's not yeah that's not not real life. Super interesting, and you and you're so right. I think there's so much in that. Now I want to bring it back to uh, your clientele for for the final question. Sure, I would love to hear from you. You know, from from the building blocks of of what makes a a successful training program with who you're working with right now. Definitely. You know, if we look at like the biggest block at the bottom, medium, whatever, you get my analogy. Um, yeah. What would you say are your most important fundamentals? What are the things that you really spend time focusing on, working on, you know, from the ground up? What's your most important to your least important that you really think are kind of applicable to the people you're working with right now? First one is get them to show up. Um, so that buy-in, so that initial conversation, because without that, we've got nothing. Okay. Um, then it's really built around... So typically, if it's a kind of movie prep type thing, or it's a you know a cover shoot prep type thing, um, there'll be a finite time scale. So there'll be a period of weeks, sometimes months, not always, but there's a there's a period of time. And, and so we're trying to do something specific within a specific period of time. So we're gonna. So I try and do that in the most efficient way possible, uh, and also in the least taxing way possible. Um, so I'll typically look at full body workout programs, um, given that that's going to be the most time efficient way of working and how I build those programs together. I try to be quite clever with exercise selection and exercise ordering. So I'll typically build programs around supersets and trisets. So for those who don't know what that means, that just means performing a set of an exercise, then immediately performing a set of another exercise without rest in between. It's almost like a mini circuit. And I'll do that with putting upper body, lower body and core exercises all together okay. in, you know, in a triple set, in a tri-set, like a mini circuit. Okay. So what I'm doing by that is being time efficient because I don't have an enormous amount of time, but I'm also kind of cheating the system a little bit in that I'm using a resistance program, which is going to be key to everything because as we know, strength underpins everything else that we do, particularly if we're looking at body composition, that's the most important part of, of that equation. Um, but I'm, what I'm going to do is by moving straight from a lower body exercise to an upper body exercise, I'm going to stimulate the cardiovascular system at the same time. So when you, so for example, I might do a set of, let's just keep it simple, a set of squats and then a, a set of press ups. So my, if I was to do that, my cardiovascular system has to work super hard to send all of my blood to my legs when I do my 10 squats. If I then immediately do that 10 press ups, it's got to send all that blood back the other way back to my upper body, and then back again when I go back to my squats. So what I'm doing, therefore, is I'm performing my strength work, but I'm getting like free cardio 
at the same time because yeah. my venous system is having to to deal with that. It's having to send blood one way, then it's going to send blood the other way. So I'm yeah. increasing the metabolic demand of my strength workout. So therefore, I'm, in, I'm getting cardiovascular conditioning. I'm also increasing the caloric output of yeah. the exercise. Okay. So I'm kind of doing lots of things all at the same time. And that's yeah. typically how I approach it. So I'll, I'll build the program around full body resistance training, so strength training. So, you know, with barbells and dumbbells and GRXs and all that stuff that people don't necessarily equate with getting somebody ready for a cover shoot or a red carpet. That's yeah. what they're doing. They're doing deadlifts and they're swinging kettlebells and they're yeah. doing all of that stuff. But I'm just being smart about how I, how I group those exercises together. So yeah. I'm going to create a cardiovascular demand from the strength workout, quite a high cardiovascular demand. Now, and then I'm going to supplement that with low intensity aerobic work. So effectively walking. So typically a, the a kind of the cover model or the A-list type workout would typically be three or four full body strength workouts a week done in that way, supplemented by lots of walking. And it's kind of that simple. It's not- I have to say, Luke, that is the magic formula. I shouldn't yeah. probably say that because there are lots of ways to go about doing things, but I, yeah, I'm a big fan of you saying that. Yeah. And it's, and there's no, there's no, there's not really, I'm being smart with it because I'm, let's say I'm kind of, I'm cheating the system a little bit by, by, by getting this, just sort of hiding the cardio in the, in the, the strength training. Uh, Other than that, they're walking, you know, right. they, it's, and the great thing about using walking as your low intensity cardio is it's pretty hard to overdo it. Um, so we're just increasing this background activity all of the time. Yay. Um, you don't need to recover from it. So, you know, you go and do a hardcore hit workout, you do it to the point where it is actually hit. If you're working that hard, it's very hard to do anything the next day, let alone, oh, let alone yeah. something, something productive or demanding in the gym. Yeah. You go for a walk, you'll feel great. Um, you, there's no recovery time from, yeah. from walking. We can just do it and we can add more to it if we need to. Great. There's nothing. Yeah. These you know, the, the mental benefits are fantastic. The, the, the every one of your systems works better when you walk more. I mean, there was yeah. a whole bunch of studies came out uh, just before Christmas that were equating that were just linear correlation between step count and reduced mortality from all from or not. And that was all cause mortality. It wasn't just cardiovascular disease. It was various forms of cancer and it, and even through to deaths from poor mental health, deaths from suicide were also decreasing with step yeah. count. And it's there's so powerful. A, there, it's hugely, hugely powerful. One of the most, I think, underrated forms of exercise. So that's really what they're doing. There's no there's no magic pill or there's no as as the again that's getting a lot of press at the moment, magic magic diabetes pill. That's kind of that we're let's not go there, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> that's, um, that, that is in existence. It's doing the strength work. We're just being smart about it and we're walking. Yeah, I, I honestly, like, I cannot tell you how happy it makes me to hear you saying that. And it's so nice to, given the headlines recently, hear someone who is directly working in that space being so sensible about the advice that they give their clients, even when, you know, I understand that there's pressure of being on the magazine cover. I've been there uh, and yeah. there's pressure of, you know, being in films and TV and whatever, yeah. but it, it shouldn't be to the expense of your health. Like at any Nothing point. Nothing worth that. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing yeah. Um, so, you know, of course, you, but you've done it. How many times? You've done it two, three times? Four times. Four times. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, 
but but and 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 the time that I've I think in all of those the time that I've known you but you but you've done it in very different ways. Yeah, as, yeah. Uh, as your own. Oh yeah. Of, the, how you how you prepared for it? Very different mm, ways. Yeah, um, no, definitely. Now tell me about your next building block. We're working up, so we've got the strength training. What comes after that? Re um, please the, say recovery features in there. Uh, so the the walking would be the next one. Yeah. Um, and and. The one after that to be honest, is the is the hydration. Um, okay. So if we we're, when we're looking to to get the most bang for your buck, we're doing the full body strength work. We're doing the walking. We're increasing the the water, um, and we're getting to bed early. That's it. That's literally it. Um, very very rarely, if ever, and I'm just thinking through. I'm like, I can't think of an example of any of the. The, I guess the, the VIPs who I've worked with, where we've looked into things like supplements or anything like that, we, just, we haven't ever needed to. Once we've got that far, we, we, it's been great. We've we've never we've always got the result that we needed by just doing that, by just looking after those like the yeah. low hanging fruit, if you like. Um, I think too often in our, our industry, particularly in that whole. You know, well, I want the cover model body, or I want the red carpet body. That pyramid is is flipped over. Inverse, yeah, thing, yeah. The first thing that people look at is, well, what's the what's the supplement? What's she taking? Like, what's she mm. drinking? What's she doing? And it's that's the one percent. And and actually, in my experience, we've never needed to do that. We get the other stuff right. Wonderful things happen because if we if before we've done that first building block of the strength stuff, we get the person to show up. If we get them to be consistent, then all those other things happen. They're not 100%. showing up, and it's um, it's a sporadic exercise program. Then that's a that's a different proposition. Yeah, yeah. If, if somebody's being consistent and they're turning up and they're and they're doing the things that we have asked them to do, we don't need to get more complicated than that. And look, I think anyone listening right now, whether they're a trainer, someone that just likes exercising, whether there's someone that wants to get into the industry that you're in, that can be applied to all of us, right? Like, get the yeah, basics, get yeah. the, nail the basics, manage to do that. And I think for me, like take the pressure off you know like like you've just said these are people that we look up to and, and look like it or not they are people that ha have aspirational shall we call it physiques <laughs> lifestyles whatever i want to hear from those people saying i do strength training three times a week and i walk and i eat well and i drink lots of water and i sleep you know eight hours a night and that's my magic formula and i want i i need to be hearing that more from people because i think yeah. it's so crucial in the world that we live in now, where we have headlines about quick fixes that you've mentioned, you know, it, it it really, you know, hurts me to see that because I think it just destroys the good work that you're doing with the people that you're doing it with in terms of just being incredibly sensible about your approach and not sacrificing someone's health at the expense of being able to look good and feel good. Well, I think that's and almost becomes a self-sorting process. When you look at some of those headlines, be careful with my words. Yeah. <laughs> when when you look at some of those headlines, and then when you look at the people who are associated with those same headlines, and then yeah. and and then you, you, it can't, it it's no surprise to me when I when you think, well, have you always looked for a quick fix? Is this your approach to life? Um, a, because if if you have that quick, that, it works, you know. But uh, there's a cost. Yeah. You know, if you if you want to start taking things that mess around with your hormones and change the way your organs work, have at it. But there's a cost. 
and that cost is going to be borne by you and you alone because that's your body and you've got to live in that yeah. for the rest of your life. Makes me very so nervous. There's a there is a cost to it. Um, is that cost worth looking that certain way on that particular day? I don't think so. But that's my opinion. Um, and then you look at some of the people who are doing it the quote unquote hard way, and it's actually not that hard. That's the thing. It's, it's not that hard to go to the gym three times a week to make sure you walk more, drink more water, go to bed early. It's not that hard. Um, we just need to do it. We need to do it consistently. Yeah. And ultimately, I really hope, and and again, this comes back to the word buy-in, but those people are also enjoying the process. Dare yeah. we say it? You know, like that's the fundamental thing. Like you've got yeah. to, yes, there's motivation from your job, your life, whatever, but you've got to have a sense of enjoyment from it. And, and, and I think that this be the message that we close the, the episode with is that like, fundamentally get the basics in place enjoy the process know that it doesn't have to be punishing and you know you don't need to be feeling your worst to look your best and it's going to be okay you know yeah. and but if you do it right you should be feeling your best too and that's exactly the thing. exactly and, and, and when you're and what's the you know the very cool thing about it which you know maybe people don't necessarily want to hear is when you start feeling great about what you're doing, you actually start to care much less about all the other stuff. That's the, the, the part that brought you there in the first place isn't the part that keeps you there, but then long-term you, it's, you don't even care about that anyway. Yeah. Oh, it, Luke, it, this has honestly been brilliant. It's so interesting to hear from you. And look, I know you're doing so, so well and you're incredibly busy. So I really appreciate you giving up your time. Thank you so, so much. Uh, one quick thing, if anyone does want to check out your education um, stuff, where can they find the details for that? All of it is on my website, which is just lukeworthington.com. There's a products submenu on there, which has got everything. It's got education resources, it's got articles, it's got the whole works. Perfect. Thank you so much. Luke, I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. I would love it if you could take some time to rate, review and follow the podcast as it really helps others to find it. We have a new episode dropping each week so this will also ensure you don't miss out. See you next time. Insanity Group.